Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Feel free to get your notes out there once again, and we're going to get really to the better part of this whole thing, dealing with the aspect of uh, hope for decaying souls. We're getting to the hope part, and uh, it's unfortunate, but in counseling, you'll spend two hours with your initial visit with an individual trying to surmise what the problem is, and you'll spend an hour or so, maybe even an hour and a half, hearing the story, hearing why they've come, hearing the challenges that they're facing, hear hear how everything goes together. And the truth is, they've come to you because they're not sure how it all goes together. They're coming because there just seems they're overwhelmed. There's so many things going on, and they cannot see the forest through the trees. And so they come. We've all been there where we're needing, needing help. I just can't see things clearly. And you'll spend so much time, and yet, in a matter of, um, of just a matter of 5, 10, 15 minutes, we then give you the answer, the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And you could easily look at that and go, man, so much time is spent to the other. Well, yeah. Because really, when you get following after Christ, life gets simple. It narrows down a lot of things. Because before, we're we're trying to spin all kinds of plates. When God says, drop the plates. I can't do it. No, no. Let go of the plates. Get your eyes on me. And I will help you with the plates. You're going to see me do some phenomenal things. You're going to see me do miraculous things. You're going to see me sustain you through times when you thought it would not be possible. Stop. Literally, as the scriptures say, be still and know that I'm God. And I say all that just to say that when we look at Ecclesiastes, you realize there is 11 chapters of Ecclesiastes, and even part of the 12th, where it's just kind of like, man, speaking in millennial vernacular, This dude's a mess. Okay? This dude's a mess. And then he gets to the end, and and you get to Hebrews, and you're starting to get into Hebrews chapter 12 and 13 and, and all this other stuff, and you sit there and you go, okay, now we're starting to see a tide that's starting to turn. A tide that is turning. Uh, you get to Hebrews chapter, excuse me, I said Hebrews. I'm looking at staring at Hebrews, that's why I said it. You get to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, that's where we go. You get to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and you say, all of a sudden, here's the answer. And it can seem like, that man, not enough attention has been given to that. Well, that's because it really sums up Solomon's life. It's only at the very end that he gives any attention to it and realizes, I need to do something different. If a book was written about your life, would we spend the first 50 years going, wow, man, what a waste. Yeah, you had times you went to church. Yeah, you had times you memorized verses. You had time, but overall, you just you had, wow. We can see now these three battles you had. You were facing day after day, month after month, and and it never got better. Did you not ever get a clue? Oh, let's go look at the age sixty and let's look at age seventy. Did, did they? Will you die never getting? Will I die never defeating some of my 
three-ton elephants in the room, I guess you could say. Well, I die, and it's just like, wow, he never could get over this aspect. I hope that's not the case. And at 41, I am striving to get to know my God better because I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God in, in, in people's lives. And I realize that, that I, the, the person in the way is not you in my way of being used of God. It's me. I'm in my own way of being used of God. And so we look at Solomon's life and it's like, if you really want to see where the solutions are, you can be introduced to the solution in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. But if you want more of the solution, you've got to hop out of Solomon's life because he just kind of lets you know. And unfortunately, I've been at the deathbed of people who are sitting there going, what have I done? What have I done? And it's a very sad place to be in that all of a sudden you realize, what have I done? I'm getting ready to see my creator. What have I done that I can, I can rejoice in? Something to consider no matter what your age is and don't think that, well, I'm, 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 I'm at this age and it's just, it's just it's all behind me now. No, no, no. You have something in front of you. Because people, I only had a year and a half, maybe two with Dick Hack. And I'll be talking about Dick Hack until I go home to glory because of the influence and impact he had on my life. So don't think. Don't think, well, what kind of, what kind of impact? I don't care how old you are, how bad you hurt, you can still have an impact. I want us to see here, we've seen already this morning in our previous message that uh, we have, get this back over here, we have uh, busy lives but empty souls, we have full hands, but six souls was number two there. Remember, I'm going to go over some highlights here since we're, I want to make sure you got your blanks. I know some people don't have blanks. I'll do the best I can here. But don't forget that vexation, I'm going to highlight some things that really matter, means suffocation. Suffocation. Eaten up from the inside out. And I didn't get to emphasize this entirely a lot this morning, but I want you to see this before we hop into the solution because of the fact of what he is sharing through his own personal testimony there in Ecclesiastes, okay? And uh, in Ecclesiastes, and I believe it's verse number 11 of chapter 2. Let me get there just to make sure. Um, Verse number 11 of chapter 2, Then I looked at all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. Once again, you see that vexation of spirit. Verse 17, Therefore, and we talked about this this morning, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me and for all vanity and vexation of spirit. The man is rotting away inside. With all the counseling I've done, even before coming here, but even down to Providence where I came from and Baptist Church there in Florida, um, and I probably was seeing it too when I was over at Camp Kobiak as program director uh, and, and so forth, but I wasn't as much in tune to it as I definitely am today. Um, anxiety is at a high level. Across, I mean, the, the, number, the number one thing, and it's amazing to me how oftentimes God talks about fear in the word of God. Anxiety is everywhere today. You can preach about anxiety and all of a sudden people's eyes prick up because you're, we, have, we live in a very anxious, anxious, anxious culture. We live in a very anxious culture who's very nervous and do not think for a moment 
that once you get past an election, and then, okay, now we've got this in the, in the office, we've got this in the office, all of a sudden, okay, now we've got Supreme Court, we can, we'll be able to do that. Hey, we're all good now. No, because your problem is your problem. My problem is my problem. My problem is right inside here. Because if I am secure in Christ, if I am firm in Christ, if I am on a solid foundation, no matter what you do, it might test me. But it shouldn't change me. Because all I'm letting change me is Jesus Christ. It becomes part of that identity quest that we were talking about earlier, where we're looking for joy and we're looking for meaning. Looking for joy and looking for meaning. And I would come up to anybody who said, uh, I'm looking for joy and I'm looking for meaning, uh, and that's why you're, I'm in your office, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I, I ask people all the time, what is it you want me to do for you? When I'm counting, what is it you're looking for? Why? I just want all this to stop. I go, wrong goal. Well, I'm looking for joy. Uh, wrong goal. Well, I'm looking for meaning. Wrong goal. Now, it's frustrating when people hear that, but the truth is, this is where we all struggle because we... I myself, we, we, we're looking for, at that moment, joy and meaning. And yet God may be calling you to a place right then of dealing with somebody that's going to leave you in a very uncomfortable circumstance. God may be allowing you to go through something the next moment that's going to be very challenging. I don't know what that is, but the only way you won't run, the only way you won't run from an, unch- from an uncomfortable circumstance is if you're resting in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You'll stand your ground and you'll stay there. Because hostility is only going to get worse. The word, the word of God tells us that. Hostility is only going to get worse as we get older. Sickness is getting more prevalent. Uh, disease. People are anxious. There's anxiety all over the place. I know as long as Pastor and I keep counseling anxiety, there's plenty of it out. We can counsel it because we know that God is what gives us victory over that. It's a wrong focus. When we look at this third step here, I'm dealing with the fact that um, Solomon is saying, hey, there's vexation. It's suffocation. I'm amazed at how many people are dealing with, uh, uh, it's rampant. I mean, like I said, I research. I research it all medically. I research it all because I deal with all the counseling of it. And I want to be able to talk to it in an intelligent way. And it amazes me how many people are on so many different, Prilosec, you name it. I got to, please help my gut. Please help me. Okay. It is rampant out there. When it may come down to the fact that God's saying, hey, why are you eating this? Why are you living this way? Why are you doing this over here? Hey, stop. Take a step back. Why are you staying up so late? Hey, why are you getting up so early? Hey, why aren't you casting all your cares upon me? Hey, why are you doing? Like I said, that's what I've discovered in my own life as God has been showing me. Hey, let me start putting things That's not a fun process, I get that. But when you find out and discover that all these things are what are hurting you and they're holding you back from being used of God, it's like, wait a minute. I can be be better used of God, don't have to take my body through all this turmoil? Absolutely. That doesn't mean you're not still sin nature, fallen world. Your body's dying. Just look around, okay? We all look like our body's dying, okay? That's just reality. But you can accelerate the process by not living a life of stewardship with your body and balance. And that's exactly what he's talking here. How do you get to that place of balance? By surrendering to God. I want you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We know in Ecclesiastes, we know that in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is telling us, hey, a, a verse that we're very commonly familiar with is, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We've heard these verses before. We've read them before. But really, that's about as good as it gets. And what is really cool is Solomon realizing that our temptation to want to solve our problems of life by going to Google, by going to YouTube, by going to the bookstore, finding another help, self-help book. Solomon knowing we're going to go looking at, 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 at Pinterest or anything else and going, hey, I can solve my problem by doing this. Start with Christ. Solomon tells us, and we'll get into that in James chapter 1 in just a moment. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 12, verse number 12, 12, 12. And further by these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness in the flesh. I mean, he's a man, many, many hundreds and thousands of years. He is telling you, hey, there's going to be a lot of books produced. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to search things out, try to figure out how do I organize this, how do I do this, how do I do that. Stop. Well, I need to go look for health food. Stop. Stop. Why? I'm going I'm to become one of those that gets into the bandwagon of, of, of doing all these healthy food stuff. Stop. I'm not saying there's not a place for that, to take better care of your body. But first of all, start with Christ. First of all, start with Christ. First of all, start with Christ, not your diet. First of all, start with Christ, not your exercise. First of all, surrender to him and say, God, what do you want me to do? Otherwise, we can begin to look at other things to be our savior. And God says, wait a minute, I am the only savior. I am the only Savior. James 1, 17, as you're already there, I want you to see this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I love this passage because in my life, I've seen a lot of changes from the passing of my mom to the passing of my dad to various things in my own personal life, of things that, you know, come and go. And yet God says, let me tell you what never changes. Let, let James tell us what never changes. There is no variableness. He's never changed. He's consistently the same. Once again, we're reminded, nothing this side of heaven or under the sun will deeply satisfy your soul. Quit pursuing it. Stop pursuing it. Next you'll see there, every good thing that you have been given is from the giver of good things. It's from the giver of good things to call you into a greater relationship with him. When was the last time God did something great in your home and you made a big deal about it with other people? When was the last time that some, God did something great and you talked about it, maybe, maybe it's a big deal that you say, man, you know what, I don't even know if I mentioned that in our home. Well, one, once again, You've got to set a time and place in your home where that happens. Otherwise, if you don't plan it, plan for it not to happen. So plan for that family deed phone time, that family couple time uh, of, of, of getting into God's word. And you say, that's the time when we're going to emphasize, hey, guess what God did today? Hey, guess what God did today? This was really neat. Could be spiritual. It could be material that God's done something for you. But ultimately, God's saying, I want to show you who I am by giving to you some great things here to call you into a greater relationship with me. I'm reminded of the verse, these things are written that you may know that you may have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of the God, and that you may know you have eternal life. I thought that was always interesting that, like I said, it says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life, 
and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God, and that ye may know ye have eternal life. Why would he repeat that you may know and that you may know? And I always found that intriguing until I studied it out, and I go, whoa. Whenever you study God's word and you are challenged in your faith and you get confidence from God's word and where you're at, whenever you get that confidence, then you get to see God do another thing, which only adds more to your faith. That verse is literally talking about your faith is constantly growing, stronger and stronger. And I get that because of the fact that there's no way in the world anybody in here is going to move me away from what I believe about music what I believe about entertainment, what I believe about God, what I believe about his word, I have been convicted, convinced, and am confirmed. Now, I'm not going to send my son to go debate with some of you spiritually. I wouldn't send my son to go debate with a local pastor here spiritually about entertainment and the holiness of God. I wouldn't do that because my son is spiritually not prepared to be able to handle that, and he could be easily convinced. You're not moving me. You're not moving. Not because, well, you must think you're something great. No, no, no. I saturated myself in the word. I studied the holiness of God. I studied different things out. I know what I believe, and I know whom I have believed in. I know where, I, I know where I'm at. I'm going to bring scripture to the table. You've got to bring scripture to the table to support you, not feelings. Feelings come from our heart. They're deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know them? And so, James here is saying, hey, every good thing you have, every good gift is, for, is, is because God's calling you into a greater relationship with him. Have you set those appointment times up where you can talk about, hey, perhaps come to the church. Do you, do you share what God's doing? Hey, we need to hear. We need to hear what God is doing in your life because it's exciting what God is doing. The fact is, we see in Ecclesiastes, Solomon begins dark, depressed, despairing. But he ends with hope. He ends with help. Did we get as much? No. Solomon himself would probably say, uh, you're going to have to move on to other passages. And so we do just that. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Of course, we can look at all kinds of passages of Scripture dealing with the fact of who God is, it is a phenomenal study. I'm right now going again through Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Great read. Very deep read. I have to read some of those things over and over and over again before it clicks sometimes. But here we have in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 25. For I have satiated the weary soul and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. This is what Christ does. He satisfies. He satiates. I used to think, like I told you years ago, uh, I, want, I want my wife to be proud of me. But more importantly, I want Christ to look down and say, well done. When I look back at years gone by, I sit there and think of, like I said, pleasure for me was ice cream late at night just before going to bed. Pleasure for me was, hey, basketball's on. March Madness, hey. Hey, television's on. I was Mr. Television. When I wasn't doing something at the church, it was television. Every once in a while, I'd step away to do maybe a little bit of a wood project, but it was, it was I want to watch. And I could watch for hours. No amens, my wife, okay? 
while my wife is over there in the kitchen scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing dishes, doing laundry. Every once in a while, just to throw in a little bone, I would go to the kitchen and I would do a few dishes, put them in the dishwasher, and, and, and I'd walk away and you could just see that. And I go sit down and. And my wife was over there going. Now she didn't, because I imagine you say, I can't see Miss Amber doing it. And you can't, because my wife isn't like that. My wife would not, my wife, my wife doesn't sit over there. She sits, she's, she's more of like dynamite, just sits there. When I go off, you'll know it. Okay? She's powerful, very powerful, okay? Very powerful. Um, I have seen my wife in a way that nobody else will, and the truth is, I have seen my wife in a way that I haven't seen her in a long time. Because as I became the right leader in my home, I helped my wife not respond in a way she'd never respond before. Now, she's seen me respond. I've kicked toys. I've hit cinder block walls before, angry. But the truth is, oftentimes, men, when we're being defeated by someone, we are already defeated, and we're, therefore, we're out of control. My son and I memorized, I memorized a verse. A, a man that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Strad and I bounce that back and forth at each other all the time, reminding ourselves, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are we showing forth when we're out of control? What are we showing forth? We're not showing forth the excellence of Christ. We're looking like a broken down city that anybody can take advantage of, and Satan does. But I look back at those days, and I sit there, and I think to myself, wow. I used to do it just to try to do penance with my wife. Okay, I haven't done this in a while. Let me go over and do a few days of it, and then I'll go back to just doing, watching, doing what I want, doing how I, how I want to live life. And my wife oftentimes felt like I'm parenting by myself. I'm keeping house by myself. Can I tell you something? I enjoy doing dishes. I hate it then. I enjoy it now. I enjoy doing dishes. I, 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 did, I did several loads of laundry yesterday. I'm, I'm not saying it's because of the fact that, wow, you are, like, you are like remarkable. No, I'm not. But you can think that way, but I'm not, okay? Uh, it's called God had to do a work in my heart. My wife had to wait for 12, 13 years for it to happen. And I, I jokingly said to her, when she came home, she's like, wow, the house looks great. Yeah, and I did a couple of laundry, did, 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 and she's just like, wow. And I, I, I said to her, jokingly, I said, I, said, uh, I said, well, you trained me well. And, uh, and she goes, yep. And she goes, and if you go, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> I said, what does that say? That if I, is, uh, okay, I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> that means I was that difficult. That means I was that difficult to get even to the point that I'm at right now. Me, I looked at her and I says, well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you pass away, I'm in serious world of, of hurt, okay? And she goes, she goes, I know, I know. And she knows I'd be in a serious world of hurt. But I look back and I sit there and think, man, what has transformed my life? Is it because of the fact that, well, you, God has been changing me? God helping me see that, hey, is, is, is the television what's important? No. What's important is my family. My wife would tell you, I mean, I probably, I, in comparison, I watched very little March Madness this time. And if you said, go, don't you feel like you missed out? No. At the time, we had a couple of sick kids. My wife was in the intention of everything. I watched a few games here and there, but I didn't, get, I, didn't, I didn't get hardly anything in. And you know what? I do not feel like I missed out on anything. 
But you say, how do you, how do you get there? You get there little by little as God begins to put his finger saying, hey, what's important? What's important? What's important? What's important? And he begins to touch upon things. And right here, he says, I, for I have satiated the weary soul. It really comes down to this. My wife coined a phrase. I, at least I believe you coined it. Maybe somebody else made it up, but I'm going to go with it and say you coined it, okay? All right. Uh, years ago, and when she was a youth pastor's wife, uh, she, was telling, she was telling a bunch of young ladies, she goes, how is your wanter? Do you really want Christ or do you want pleasure? How is your wanter? It's a great, ter- it's a great term in the fact that you've got to stop and consider you're not going to do any of this. There's, gonna be, there, there's already been some who've come up to me and says, I want this. Then you're going to gain from it. But not everybody here wants it. Some in here are going to go, it's not that bad. I, I really, my, wife, my, my life's good and there's, all is well. All is, all is well. Until you be, it begins to, you see the harm in it and you see it starting to attack you physically and it's still you're willing to say, God, what does you want me to see? Then God's going to begin to show you many things in your life to go, this right here is hurting you, this right here, and you're not willing to look at it. You've got to want it. He's not going to show it to those who don't want it. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. He bestows his favor on those who will trust and obey. When you come, if you seek me, you will find me. But if you don't seek me, I'm not going to show myself to you. He's not like that step-parent who came yelling at you, demanding that you do this cleaning of your room. Nope. God doesn't work like that. Those who want me will find me. Those who want me will find me. Psalm chapter 107, verse number 9. Look there, please. Psalm 107, verse number 9. For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. What's satisfying you these days? God promises nothing under the sun. Solomon's telling us, he's telling us he had everything, okay? He had entertainment at, uh, I mean, you think you've got it good with, you know what, I can watch any sporting event, list like that. Solomon could too. Solomon could too. He could do anything he wanted at a given moment, and he could have the pleasures of that day, and yet he said, you know what, it's very empty. But, here we have in the Psalms, for he satisfieth the longing soul. What are you longing for? You're not going to find it with anything under the sun. Jesus is the good shepherd who restores my soul. And therefore, we have in that one bullet point there, rest in the lordship of Jesus. You will not find rest. You will continue to toss and turn. You will continue to struggle until you rest in the lordship. I do not talk to you about these things as one who says, so are you resting now perfectly? No, I have my nights where I don't. And immediately I can turn back and there's, there's typically most of the time something that I have gotten consumed with, I've gotten concerned with. I've learned my sleep cycle. I know what my sleep cycle is. If I stay up late and watch television and I do not hit my sleep cycle just right, I'm a mess. I, I know that I've got to be in bed at a certain time. And if I don't hit that, then I know that I'm in trouble. And it gets to be, it gets to be, Two or three hours later, I'm in trouble. I've missed it. And now I'll lay in bed for an hour before my next sleep cycle rolls around. I struggle. You've got to learn your body. You've got to know that, you know what? This is my sleep cycle. This is it. 
Now, Thomas found out something I wish I could learn. He knows how long he can lay down during the day. I remember him telling me about the long time. He goes, I know I can lay down for this amount of time in the afternoon, get a nap, and it's perfect. I don't feel horrible. I feel recharged, ready to go. I'm still searching for that, brother. I don't know how. I, 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 I've, I've asked Pastor to let me test it out a little bit for several days in a row, um, but, but he hasn't gone for that yet, um, and so forth. Um, but I, I want to I test it out and just try to see. I have not found that magic. I usually, when I try to take a, a nap in the afternoon, I don't know about you, how many of you feel worse than you did before? Yeah, <laughs> see? Yep, right here. Feel worse. Terrible. Uh, you might as well stay awake, you feel like. But you know what? You got to learn your body. You got to learn your body of what, you know, when it comes to eating, exercise, everything. Okay, what should I be doing? A nap is good. A nap is better than Snickers. I know you don't believe me, but it's better than Snickers, okay? Have the Snickers after the nap, okay? But the fact that Snickers, oh, nuts and chocolate, they do not go together. Anyway, anyway, move on. Okay. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Why does he make me lie down in green pastures? What do sheep do in green pastures when they're laying down? What they again? They rest. That's when they really fatten up. They really fatten up when they're laying down in green pastures. They've taken what they've eaten. I mean, come on. We all know what it's like. Sunday afternoon or when you have that big meal. You lean back in the, t- in the big boy. When your wife asks you, what are you doing? I'm growing. I'm growing, I'm building in my temple right here, okay? I'm getting fatter. I'm beefing up. Spiritually, why does God say, I want you to lie down in that green pasture? He says, I want you to grow spiritually. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to shepherd you. I'm going to lead you to the still waters. I'm going to help you. But there's going to be a time when I want you to rest. And that's when your faith is really going to grow. When you get in those green pastures, that moment. But oftentimes, we neglect that moment. Oh, green pasture? Oh, now I can go do other things. No, 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 no. Now's the time. There's no trials. There's no troubles going on. It's a green pasture. Take time to reflect upon what God just got you through. Take time to reflect on, man, God was good. Oh, you know what? Now's the time. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of distractions. Let me soak up time in the word. Let me go find a good book. Let me get out and enjoy God's creation a little bit. But let there be some balance there. But we tend to go, trial's over. Oh, oh, so, and we, what about God? What about the... What about the time to fatten up and get that shield of faith even bigger so you're ready for the next trial? That's what God says. I bring those green pastures to you because I want to help you in that very way, to fatten you up, to get you ready because the enemy comes. People, he finished work on the cro- his finished work on the cross was not only, at your blank there, was not only for eternal salvation, but for sanity, success, sanctification throughout this life as well. Fact is, I don't have to save myself. I don't have to sustain myself. I don't have to solve my own problems. Let me say that again. I don't have to save myself. Jesus Christ has already, sought to, has already done that. I don't have to sustain myself. I don't have to solve my own problems. Jesus Christ will help you with those things. But we don't often turn to him. We try to lean upon our own understanding, our own knowledge. Solomon's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. I've tried it. i tried to solve it. Pastor spoke on this. You don't necessarily need to turn there, but I want you to see this in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Woman at the well. 
Verse number 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, John 4, verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Here you have the New Testament and Old Testament very much together. Solomon, a life saying, don't do it. Christ over here saying, here's what you need to do. In the New Testament, hey, make me the Lord of your life. Anything else will not quench your thirst. So I ask you, as I asked you this morning, Who's lording your life? You say, what is lordship? That means who's the one governing? Who's the one leading, directing, and ordering your life with every decision you make throughout your day to cause you to stop and consider? I want to leave you with Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It's a great passage of scripture. It's a, it's a passage of scripture that really sums up what Christ offers to us after salvation. Oftentimes, we get to, as we, people come to know Christ as their Savior, it doesn't go beyond that. Oftentimes, we get into, for instance, uh, we get into things like uh, um, a daily bread, and we go doing the daily bread, and that's great that you're doing the daily bread, but you're supposed to be growing, and the daily bread is a morsel. You need a full-fledged meal. What, are you growing... Since your salvation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. It's a process. Old things, all things are become new. In Matthew chapter 11, look at verses 28 through 30 here. Great verses. You've seen them before. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's your answer when people ask you how you're doing? I'm not saying that there's going to be times you're going to say, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm really tired. It's not about saying that you're tired once in a while or saying that, you know what, I'm in a little pain today. But it's the pattern. Are you known as a person who just always, how are you doing? I guess all right. And there you say every time I see that person, I guess all right. I guess all right. I guess all right. I used to fill in for my youth group when I, was, when I would go up to Jacob. Hey, Jacob, how you doing? Freeze! Let me tell you how you are. Pastor L, I'm really tired today. So did I get it? All right, see you later, Jacob. <laughs> I walk away because I'm going, Jacob, it's the same thing over and over again. Jacob, change what you're doing. Do you want to keep having the same answer? Now, I know some of you are going, Pastor Jamie, do you realize you give the same answer? If I do, tell me, okay? No doubt, with preaching, there comes accountability. And, uh, and, I, and if I'm giving the same answer... I want to know about it because God says we need to come unto him and give things over to him. We are not supposed to be heavy laden. Jesus is enough. This is how you bring your pace to a place of contentment. Jesus is how you bring your pace to a place of contentment. It's really a battle between vexation, suffocation of spirit, or being satisfied in the inner man. You know whether you truly are there. You know where you're at. When I look at the life of Paul and Brandt and many of those other individuals we saw testimony in Sunday school class, I thought it was perfect timing to have something like that today in line with what I'm preaching and teaching here this afternoon and this morning. 
What is making the difference in their life? I guarantee you, Paul and Brandt are growing spiritually faster than anybody in this room. Because ultimately what happened was, this home, what happens is, you have to stop and get away from everything. And typically most of them have already lost their jobs due to their addiction. They're hopping from job to job. Or they realize, you know what? I need to step away. God will provide another job. They step away. And they go, you know what? I need to go to a greenhouse of spiritual growth and saturate my heart and life in studying the word of God. That's what happens here. And it's through the saturation that they find victory. Now, you may be one going, I've got a real big problem in my life that's overwhelming me, that's taxing me. So what you're saying is, I need to saturate. Create a greenhouse somewhere in your life And the only way you're honestly going to be able to do it is through accountability. My wife knows about two or three things right now that I've talked to her about in the last two to three weeks. And I said, honey, here's a problem I have. I need your help. I need your help. Can you please hold me accountable? Just knowing you know this is enough accountability for me to stop me and go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. To do this would be being deceitful to my wife. I'm not going to do that. Okay, I'm going to make the right decision right now. And I'm thankful for that. I need that because it's not about, well, didn't your wife, didn't, I don't know, perhaps she did go, really, you need me to do, uh, are you serious? Grow up, husband. She could be thinking that. She hasn't said a word to me. But you know what? I don't think so. I think she goes, I'll help you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to help you to try to get through this. You have got to look and go, am I being suffocated? Do I need to create a greenhouse effect somewhere in my life so that I can be saturated in the word of God, turn something off, and get the word of God open, and get studying it. I'll leave you with this. If you are a child of God, do you have a healthy soul? Or, or are you trashing what he saved? We say that again. As a child of God, do you have a healthy soul, or are you trashing what he saved? He didn't ask you to be perfect. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to strive towards him. Maybe you say, I don't even know that I am a child of God. Well, there, there, you can get on the road to a healthy soul, but it begins with Jesus. Doesn't begin with the next website you go to. Doesn't begin with the next social media thing you go to or the next, next there are self-helps all over. You can go to conferences, okay? Can I tell you something? Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.